hustle up, it's time to play. I kind of think of the massed ensembles as like a Greek chorus. They are commenting or accentuating the action that's happening on the stage as like not really an echo but as a, a grander display, I guess, of the action that's actually happening on stage. The access to the professionals that these students get is beyond phenomenal. We have Matthew Barclay, who I've personally worked with as a director. They get to access someone who is working professionally all over Australia and with the biggest companies in Australia. He also works internationally as well, which is phenomenal. He's a highly sought after director. We have Sally Dashwood, who is a performer herself, who now choreographs producers and these kids get access to that kind of caliber of choreographer and and performer they get taught how to be professionals before they actually have to be professionals which is something that so many students don't get welcome to season eight of spotlight on the arts the making of school of rock the musical join us as we chat with members of the sydney catholic schools arts team artists in residence and the cast of the epic Sydney Catholic Schools production at Kudos Bank Arena in what will be Australia's largest musical theatre show cast. Episode 1 introduces Deborah Rogers, one of Sydney Catholic Schools' artists-in-residence and a member of the School of Rock vocal team. With her experience and versatility in the performance of multiple vocal genres, mezzo-soprano Deb Rogers has become a sought-after stage and concert presence nationally and internationally. Originally from Brisbane, Deb holds postgraduate degrees in music from the Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts, known as WAPA. She's a soloist with opera companies around Australia and New Zealand, and a music theatre and jazz performer with specialist acts. She's been a guest alongside Michael Bublé, and has performed in exclusive events and concerts on stages all over the world, as well as an ABC recording artist with the group The Seven Sopranos. Welcome, Deb. Welcome. Thanks. Let's start by talking a little bit about the repertoire for School of Rock. Sure. The show itself is really incredible in that it mixes uh, multiple genres uh, and music styles. So we have rock, obviously it's the School of Rock, but there are many different styles within it. We have the choral style repertoire in the school song. Uh, We even have some opera which is combined with rock, which is very, very cool. becomes a rock opera then. And uh, we also have some more ballad-like, so that 1980s ballad-style music as well. So it's a really diverse range of, of music within one show. It's going to be fascinating to see how everyone takes on those different styles. Yes. <laughs> At the start of the term, the massed ensembles were given access to resource packages, which included guide tracks, which feature your beautiful voice. How will school use these guide tracks as resources? Teachers have been given an absolute gold mine of resources to be able to teach their students exactly how to read music, firstly, with scrolling scores. We have uh, the vocal guides, which really do teach the music for these students and the nuance of the music to these students. Uh, so teachers and students will get a really um, quite profound music training within the packs themselves. Do you have any tips or tricks to learning the repertoire? Practice, practice, practice. (laughs) And there's really not much else to it. It is taking the time, committing to the music and ensuring that everything that's sung is accurate to what has been learnt within the score. What role do you think articulation plays for the massed ensemble? 
It's massive. And there's a few reasons. Firstly, with a group of a massed ensemble, the size of what we're looking at, which is 3,000 people, if articulation is not accurate and matching, it sounds messy. And that's really important, particularly in music theatre where the dialogue that is sung and played really is required to be accurate in order to tell the story properly. Yeah, and we can imagine if people don't hold notes long enough or too long, it'll just get into a huge mess. It sounds very messy, yes. Okay, from a vocal perspective, how will the massed ensembles enhance the overall storytelling of the show? I kind of think of the massed ensembles as like a Greek chorus. They are commenting or accentuating the action that's happening on the stage as like not really an echo but as a, a grander display, I guess. Yeah, of, an enhancement. Yeah, of, of the action that's actually happening on stage. It's It'll be something to see. <laughs> <laughs> what are your top three numbers from the show and why? I know that's a tough question. Why would you ask me that? <laughs> I have a lot of favourites actually. Time to Play, I'm a big fan of that purely because the child cast, I guess, taking it upon themselves to do something that's really big and really profound. And I love that. The competition song, which is Dewey, the role of Dewey, their teacher, and the kids uh, performing together in this rock competition. That's a really, it's a very cool song, but I won't give anything away because it's an exciting piece. And lastly, I'm a fan of Horace Green. I love what it does. I love the arrangements of the parts towards the end. There's something really quite choral, which I enjoy, and that's part of my, I guess, my original training. That'd be my three, I think. (laughs) What will teachers and students learn from being involved in School of Rock the Musical? They will learn everything. And, And to be more specific, the access to the professionals that these students get is beyond phenomenal. We have Matthew Barclay, who I've personally worked with as a director. They get to access someone who is working professionally all over Australia and with the biggest companies in Australia. He also works internationally as well, which is phenomenal. He's a highly sought-after director. We have Sally Dashwood, who is a performer herself, who now choreographs, uh, produces, and these kids get access to that kind of calibre of choreographer and and performer, as well as so many others. We have Chris, who is is helping with the music and the piano and coaching with these students, who is a music director on some of the biggest musicals in Australia right now. The calibre is incredible and that's just the smallest part. They get taught how to be professionals before they actually have to be professionals, which is something that so many students don't get. Right. So now it's come to performance time. What are the skills that are going to be absolutely essential for our massed choir or soloists in this performance? The big thing with any kind of show is that you can't do it without each other. The smallest cog creates the bigger hole. So collegiality is a big, big, big flag. It is more than essential. It is what makes the show. And particularly in a show like this, where there are 5,000 people, it has to be uh, number one, I would say. The second, I would say, is willingness to learn and be open to new things. Because there are things that these students would never have done before and things that probably us as professionals have never done before. We really are in this great learning space of uh, interaction and uh, new things. So for me, they're the biggest, collegiality and willing to learn new things and be open to new things. So Deb, what advice or tips would you give to performers 
who would one day like to pursue a career in the arts? Advice for performers who would one day like to pursue a career in the arts. That is probably the toughest question I've ever had in that the arts is so volatile now. I think the number one thing is a real passion. You've got to want it so badly. You've got to want to put in the hard yards, put in the hours and hours and hours of practice with very little reward. You've got to want to do it. That's a big part of it. And secondly, you've got to put yourself where the people that you want to work with are. So that could be choreographers, that could be directors, that could be teachers. Find the people you want to work with and to have as part of your team and work with them until there is nothing more you can get out of them and then continue, find the next person, ask them to refer to someone to move you on. Hunt down the people that you want to have as part of your team and stick to them like glue. The other big thing, particularly now after COVID, is to ensure that you are flexible in your direction and your pathway. Just because you want to perform does not mean that you can't be building other skills to support yourself and others on their pathway. For example, I came from a love of music theatre. I wanted to pursue music theatre. That's what I wanted to do with my life and that was the only thing I wanted. And then I went to university in Toowoomba at the University of Southern Queensland and I still wanted to do music theatre and I got very little opportunities to do that. However, in my final year of my bachelor, I got given this music that I'd never seen before in my life and it was opera. And my teacher at the time said to me, here, I want you to learn this. I said, what on earth is this? And they said, this is opera. I went, no, it's not. (laughs) I've never seen this before in my life. What have I been peddled for the last three years? And I was hooked. Uh, I started training as a classical instrumentalist I was a violinist and a flautist and I did piccolo as well. And then suddenly my brain and my love of storytelling, so my classical music brain and my love of storytelling combined, fell in love with opera and that was it. I was hooked. And I pursued it to the point of still wanting to do music theatre as part of my career and to branch out into other styles. And I do, I cross over into other styles I got to do that at WAPA. I was able to put on a cabaret. I wrote my own uh, musicals and stories and shows as part of my degrees, an opportunity I would never have had if I'd gone to a mainstream conservatorium. I ended up doing producing of shows while I was at university and that was an invaluable experience for me to be able to see exactly what happens outside of the performing arena. For me, that was probably the biggest eye-opener and taught me the most as a performer because what I could offer then, not just my colleagues, but the backstage teams and the production teams, that awareness was invaluable for them as much as it was for me. So be flexible. Learn as much as you possibly can from everyone around you because that knowledge, you will end up using it, particularly now. So you may think you have the smallest role as a member of 2,000 people in a mass choir or a mass dance ensemble, and you may think you may not have any importance and that people won't notice you're not there, but I can assure you, you are part of a very large jigsaw puzzle and people hate that one piece that's missing. You're it. So bring everything and enjoy it because you're just as important as the lead roles in this show.
That's so true, Deb. And thanks so much for joining us today. And for everybody listening, you're going to get a chance to meet Deb when we have our network rehearsals. And so please come up and say hi and say, yes, I heard you on the podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun. And that's part of coming together as a community, our first rehearsals together where all our students and our teachers get together. Then we have another one a little later and then we're all coming together at Kudos Bank Arena. Thanks again, Deb, for joining us in Spotlight on the Arts. Thank you. Watch out.